Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody? Today is October 24th, 2019, and on today's Osho, we put the Yankees' 2019 season to rest. Obviously, it was a bitter ending. Uh, the uh, Jose Altuve homer, they'll be showing that on uh, video packages for the next 15 years or so. But all in all, it was a pretty good season that many fans, coaches, and players can look back and be proud of, except if you're Aaron Judge, who called the season a, a failure regardless, which in a lot of ways is true, but you can't be a Debbie Downer now. The future is still insanely bright. This off uh, this offseason is going to be key. A lot of names can be brought in. A lot of names are on their way out. Let's overlook this thing with myself and Donnie Finkel right now on the O Show, presented by Belly Up Sports. Be bold, stand out. You've got seven days to make me proud, ladies and gents. Go buy some pink Belly Up Sports apparel on designtree.com to help out a good cause. 50% of all proceeds are going to the Susan G. Komen Foundation. Be a sport and go get that apparel this week. You've only got seven days. We're also sponsored by TickPick. Use the promo code OSHOW10 for 10% off your next order on TickPick.com. A ticket marketplace with no hidden fees. And by Mecca Nutrition. Build a better you. Use the promo code OSHOW20 for $20 off your next order at MeccaNutritionStore.com. Come build a better you. Let's go. and heartbreaking note. Jose Altuve sent the Houston Astros to the World Series, killing the 2019 Yankees. Donnie, do you have any words you want to say? Uh, well, frankly, I have several. Uh, the first word that comes to mind is uh, disappointing. Uh, I think that we would all say that not making it to the World Series is disappointing. The way that they lost was disappointing. The fact that, you know, the guy that's come in this year and, and been the the MVP of the team, an MVP candidate in the league, DJ LeMay, who ties the game up in the ninth inning, gives us that glimmer of hope, and then Rolfus Chapman just ripped it all up and tore it to shreds, and, you know, here we are. I think after game four, so they were down 2-1 going into game four. After game four, I was dead. Like I think John Boyce said it best. They were down 3-1 in the series. I was dead. Game five, they dusted the dirt off my face. Like, I was dead and buried. They dusted the dirt off my face in game five. I'm like, okay. That's nice. Like that's like your typical game five win down three one in the series. You've seen it so many times before, and then they just end up clinching in game six. Game six rolls around. I'm dead again. Like they're not scoring any runs off the Astros bullpen. The one game you figured that they just pounce on offensively, they don't get it done at all. Four two in the ninth inning, and then DJ LeMahieu hits the game tying home run. It's like DJ's giving me CPR. It's like okay, like I was cool with the dead thing, but I guess I guess we're coming back alive. We're coming back alive. And then Araldis Chapman just buried me five five feet deep into the ground, buried, buried me up, gave me a nice grave, a nice tombstone, and that was it. And for anybody who really thinks that Araldis Chapman was smiling because he was happy after that home run was hit, like that's like a moment where like I feel like a lot yeah, of people would have been a lot of people would have been like, oh holy shit, I can't believe that just happened. Like, are you are you kidding me? That's unbelievable. And then you smile, yeah. you give a smirk. That was nothing more than a smirk. I don't know why yeah, people would like really like this happened. Like you're you're kidding me, right? Like I don't even know why people would assume it's like oh he's smiling. He wanted to lose. Like why would you assume that? Like that, why would he want to lose? He's going into a contract year. You really think he wants the last pitch he throws this year to be a game winning walk off home run? Like I feel like you have to be a nine year old to assume that. Like I don't understand why you'd assume. Like the first thing that came to my mind is like wow he's in shock. He can't believe he just gave up that home run. Yeah, well the trolls of the internet are basically nine years old in theory. So so yeah. Well, regardless, let's talk about the 2019 Yankees. Honestly, for certain point, points of the year, this felt like the year. 
Like in 2009 when they won, you knew like in the summer that they were winning. Like I know I was just a we were just little kids at the time, but but it felt like they were going to win the World Series. Like you had that feeling in your stomach, like oh this is going to be the year. This has been a fun year. This is the year. This year had that kind of feel, not completely, but it had that feel. Wouldn't you say? No, it did. It was a special team, in my opinion, for sure. Uh, you know, I thought that, you know, it was a feel-good story for a while. You know, I mean, you can only beat so much of a feel-good story when you're a Yankee, when you're, whether you're the New York Yankees. But, I mean, you know, the whole next man up thing took off. The savages in the box, everything. You know, the amount of injuries that did pile up. I mean, in the beginning of the year, we were like, oh, yeah, you know, whatever. You lose Severino for a couple weeks here. You know, that's not a big deal. And then we lost Judge, and then we lost Stan, and then we lost every other goddamn player on the fucking team. And then, you know, it's like, okay, this is like a thing now where, you know, like, and the fact that they did win 100 games is, um, is unbelievable, but again, it's still a failure in my opinion, no matter what. And I think that's what Aaron Judge touched up on. He's like, we won, what, 103 games during the regular season? This season's still a failure. He, the goal was to win the American League East. They did that. The goal was to win a world championship. They end up getting snubbed by Houston again for the second time in three years in the exact same spot in the exact same ballpark. It's like you really got nowhere in the past three years. And, of course, the one thing that everybody's going to look back on in 2019 was the whole next man up mantra. It wasn't just a saying. It was more of a way of life this year. You mentioned the injuries. Uh, first weekend of the year, Miguel Andahar and Giancarlo Stanton, done. Like Stanton was out until June, played about one or two games in June, and then was out until September. And then Miguel Andahar came back for one game at the end of April, I think, and then he was done for the yep. year. Who knows if he's even going to be back next year now that Gio Rochella and DJ LeMay you have turned into who they've become. Yeah, it's funny because, like, you know, before we started, we, we jumped on here. I was looking at the 2020, 2019-2020 uh, free agents, just kind of seeing, like, you know, is there another guy out there that could be, like, a DJ LeMay type? You know, I, I saw a, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to the other stuff. We'll get to that stuff afterwards. But, yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, next man up became a thing. It was a mantra. The Savages in the box. They had a lot of good mojo going. And I really did thought I really did think that this was the year. The problem I think that that ended up being the case. The problem was is we bet too big on Severino coming back. We bet too big on all the guys coming back. And I think that they should have tried harder to get a starter at the at the uh, as the deadline. I think ultimately, like you could say, like oh Cashman screwed up. You got to get rid of Cashman. Didn't make any moves. Stood pat at the deadline. I mean, this series, this ALCS, came down to the Yankees just not hitting. Which is the one thing that they had. They had everybody right. in their lineup except Miguel Andahar, basically, that, that was healthy. I mean, Giancarlo Stanton was hit or miss. Honestly, they should have taken him off the roster if he wasn't going to play. First exactly. and foremost. Like, if he played one, and I, I don't blame him. I think that he I think that he wanted to play. I think that's why he played in Game 5. But, you know, for him to come back and, and not be able to play in Game 6, like, they should have taken him off the roster. They should have done something. I, like, and they didn't. The one thing that you could argue there is that, uh, yeah, you wouldn't have him for the World Series. But if he's hurt and striking out three times every game, like, is it really that big of an important of an at-bat? To have Giancarlo stand in the lineup. I know his presence alone is intimidating, but if he can't hit any pitches, let alone that slider on the outside corner, like what's the point? Right, exactly. Like you know, at that point, you got to get another bat in there somehow. I mean, I would have assumed it would have been a Tyler Wade, maybe, or somebody yeah. like that. But you know, you can't you can't be playing in the playoffs with one, essentially one guy on your bench. You just can't do it. So let, let let's go all the way back to spring training. We talk about all the injuries. Uh, this this is basically the year. Everybody thought in 2018 when they acquired Stanton that was going to be the year. It's going to be like Maris and Mantle all over again with Judge and Stanton. You don't really see that because Judge is out for a long time between July and September in 2018. So I think he only had 27 home runs. Stanton had a great year. not Maybe not a great year, but a good first year with the Yankees. 38 home runs, over 100 runs batted in. Obviously stunk in the playoffs against Boston, so at the end of the day, they're just going to judge him on that. This year, you can ridicule Giancarlo Stanton. I think last year, he got a lot of heat for really no good reason. I thought he had a decent decent year with the Yankees. Obviously, coming off a year where he hit 59 home runs with the Marlins to win an MVP, like there's a set expectation that he was going to be even better in 2018, which wasn't the case. But 38 home runs, I think 100 
He was either 100 or 101 RBIs for the year. That's not a bad um, campaign. No, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think that last year he got a, he got a bad shake. You know, it's the whole, you know, he's a, a big money player coming to the Yankees, coming off an MVP. Everybody expects him to be Jesus reincarnated, basically. And he had a good year. He had 38 and 100, he had 38 and 100 last year. This year he had, you know, I mean, you knew that you knew this coming in that that's, that was a guy who's had injury problems in the past, you know, odd injuries. You know, he had the he, he pulled a hamstring run down the line a few years ago and stuff like that. So you knew coming in that there was a possibility that he was going to have an injury problem here or there. The problem is, is that, you know, the Yankees did DH him a lot last year, uh, you know, and that's probably what kept him healthy for a while. He did play through an injury too uh, for he, basically the entire time that Judge was out. He played through, I think it was a hamstring or something like that or a quad. And this year he just didn't, he couldn't stay healthy. I think the big thing, like, honestly, like, why not DH him? I know you have Edwin on Carnacion, you're probably not going to have him next year. There's no point in re-signing him, especially the way he played in October. But yeah. Carlos Stanton, as a designated hitter, I feel a lot more safe with him as a DH as opposed to a left fielder. He looks like the most fragile human being playing the outfield out there in left field. I don't trust him at all. I think that he should be real, uh, less worried about his physique and getting, you know, cut the way that he is and looking like a Greek god. He should be worried about flexibility and pliability and all that kind of stuff because... You look at the guys that are still out there throwing, you know, that don't get hurt. Looking at a guy right here, you know, still on the mound, 37 years old, throwing, throwing gas. Think Justin Verlander's got a six-pack? I don't think so. No, I, I was just watching the game. Joe Buck says that Justin Verlander doesn't even work out anymore. Or maybe it was John Smoltz. He's 36 years old. He's like, I barely work out anymore. I'm just working on my pitches, trying to keep my stamina up. That's about it. The reason why these guys get core injuries like that so much is because they're so worried about building up the muscle because – and they don't need to. You don't need to be – You yeah, sure, you want to be in good shape because it's just, you know, like good to be in good shape for, uh, for just as a – fit in in, uh, in general. But the fact of the matter is, is you don't need to be – you know, you don't need to look like Stanton looks, you know, as to be a baseball player. Not No, not at all. I mean, Judge proves that. I mean, Judge is a freak of nature himself, but a completely different build. Yeah. And it's yeah, obvious. I mean, you don't need to be, like I said, you know, I think that that's why, they, you know, because you saw it with Syndergaard a couple years ago. I remember Syndergaard said that he was like, I'm lifting this much weight and I'm power cleaning this and blah, 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 blah. And then he had like a, uh, a, an oblique injury that kept him out like three quarters of the year a couple years ago. Yeah. And, you know, this is exactly what happens. Not to mention Ioannis Cespedes. I mean, Jesus Christ. That guy's, thing, yeah. that guy's a mess. And he's yeah, well, basically. it's well documented that he's just shredding at home, trying to max out on the leg press machine. And it, it, it's cost him everything. Not to mention, of course, the ankle injury. It was just kind of a freak accident at home. But that's yeah. a whole other story. Do, do Pilates or, you know, yeah. yoga or something like that. Or Yoga's or, perfect, or yeah. Just run more. Do anything that doesn't involve you lifting 500 pounds 10 times. Because that doesn't do anything good for you. And like I said, I think that that's, I think it's going to be a bit of an organizational shift that way because a lot of the guys in the Yankee organization, you know, they do lift a lot of weights. You saw it with Clint Frazier. You saw, obviously, John Carlo and, and Luke Voigt and guys like that. And Voigt had core injuries this year, too. You know, again, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I'm not an athletic trainer or I'm, you know, not any expert in the field. But, you know, going off of the, you know, examples that are put right in front of me that I think any person that has common sense can can realize stop lifting so many fucking weights you know you don't have to go out there and you know eat 17 cheeseburgers instead of that but just stop lifting so many so many weights and it's a shame because coming after his 2018 year stanton basically came back him and his agent are like i'm gonna be better than ever next year don't worry about me like i'm gonna have a career year next year and then he played all of about 25 games during the regular season if that yeah probably less yeah, instagram the instagram videos are cool in the off season and it gives us something to look forward to but you know it, it, like i said you don't need to you don't need to be pushing a thousand pounds up a hill so w what was the opening day lineup against the orioles it, it was, I know, it was definitely Judge Stanton and Voight, 2-3-4. Was Gardner yep. leading off? Gardner led off the line. Maybe he wasn't even in the, in the line. No, no, he was, not at all. I think it went Gardner, Judge, Stanton, Voight, Sanchez, Andahar, Torres, um, Didi wasn't there. Troy Tulowitzki was on the opening day roster. That's who that's started right, over yeah. DJ. Wow, that was a long time ago. Jesus Troy Christ. Troy Tulowitzki. Tulowitzki. Tulo. Yeah, that was, that was a fun... Uh, that was a fun uh, th thing to, to see pop up on my phone that day when I saw that Troy Tulowitzki was going to be the starting shortstop for the Yankees. Which would have been awesome after Jeter retired. Not so awesome in 2019. 
Yeah, doesn't two last a week. Feet surger- uh, two foot surgeries and all the other surgeries that the guy had, the million injuries that he's had. And that was the one guy you're like, oh, maybe they could catch lightning in a bottle. That'd be cool. It didn't even last a week. Yeah, they caught lightning in a bottle with literally every other person that they brought up, though, which is hilarious. So I guess if you're going to... I'll take that. I'll take the ad average of one guy out of the seven or eight guys that you brought up, you know, was really good. And the other guy that was in that starting lineup, I think he was either playing first base or he was the DH, him or Voight, was Greg Bird. That's right, man. Greg Bird, Bird was Bird in the lineup. And, uh, they were, that's right, they were going to platoon. And uh, I just saw Greg Bird had his first hit in, you know, who knows how long in the Dominican, or Dominican League. Yeah, great mullet, by the way, too. Mixing oh, things Lord. up. He's definitely involved over the past nine months since he hasn't played since April. Yeah, maybe, maybe he's finally, he's hearing footsteps and he realizes that I should start growing his hair out because... He ain't going to be here for much longer. I mean, that was, I think that was the one injury that nobody really gave a shit about. Like, you remember when Tulo, come, like, came down. You remember, like, oh, yeah, he was on the team. I remember when he got hurt. I don't remember when Greg Bird got hurt. Like, that wasn't a major storyline. I think he just, like, faded into injury with Gary Sanchez and Giancarlo and everybody else. Like, I, I never I, – I couldn't even tell you what he hurt. Was it his ankle again, or what was it? It was, yeah. So it's funny, because I, I remember when it happened, um, and I just remember thinking to myself, like, all right, well, you know, this is it. You know, that's it. I mean, you know, this is probably the last time we'll see Greg Bird, even though he thinks he has thousands of more at-bats in his career. Yeah, again, I think, obviously, I don't think Luke Voigt's running away with the first base position right now. I, no. I think no. right now it's him, or it's basically him. I don't think they're going to go out and get anybody else. No, I mean, I'll, I'm, I mean, I got the first baseman up here right now. I mean, the, the most appealing name is probably Jose Abreu. Who's rumored I mean, to go to Boston, too, so. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I like Jose Abreu. I think he's a really good player, but he's 33 already. I mean, I, I see a name on here, actually, I wouldn't hate having as a bench player. That's Neil Walker. I miss Neil Walker, dude, man. DJ Walker, dude. We need, we need the DJ back, the disco. Because, like, I'm trying to, like, think of, like, guys that could be, like, another DJ type on here. And, like, I don't really see anybody, like, that crazy. Like, maybe... I mean, really, the guy that I would actually bring in is is playing right now, and that's Howie Kendrick. He killed the Yankees for years, and he's killing the game in the playoffs right now. That's another great veteran presence that they could have, too, because there's no bet Gardner's coming back. He's a free agent, too, right? Yeah, so I don't, I don't know, man. I just can't see myself giving. Go- I know we had a good, I know we had a good year, but he was horrible in the playoffs, right? You know, I mean, I don't think he did anything really. I mean, after the, after the Twins series, but everybody hit the Twins because they were not a real playoff team. Uh, they played against you know three bad teams, and that's how they got in the playoffs. But yeah, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm on it because like I feel like the Yankees can look at that and be like, oh well, you know, we have Brett Gardner and Mike Talkman basically, except Talkman's a lot cheaper. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, again, like, just one freak injury at the end of the year. i take Talkman just because you know you're going to get him for cheaper. Yeah, it's, and I think Talkman's a talk, – not that he's a better player, but I think Talkman can do a little bit more. I think he's a better hitter than, than Gardner is at this stage in the game. I think Gardner pretty much just tries to pull everything knowing that he's got the short porch there and he knows he can get – you know, if he, if he uh, gets into one, it's going to go. Uh, and then Talkman's obviously got, you know, he's a little faster, you know, probably a better arm. I'm sure he's got a better arm. Gardner's arms sucks. Um, and, you know, because, I mean, look at, looking at the guys that we can possibly get in the offseason here, they're going to have to spend some money. You know, if they want to improve this team, they're going to have to spend some money. And, and wasting $9 million or $10 million on Brett Gardner is not something that I think that they should do. I, I think, said it last year, too. I think... Well, yeah, so they've signed him to a one-year deal the past. This would make it three years if they did it this year, past three seasons. This is the one year where some fans might argue, re-sign him because he just had a career year. The other two years, I'm like, all right, time is gone. Like, this sucks. Like, he, was a, he wanted to be a lifetime Yankee. It's just not going to work out. And then it's just like, Gardner, one year, $12 million. I'm like, okay, I guess we're bringing him back. Like, this is the one year I feel like they'd bring him back, given that he hit 28 home runs. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I mean, and I'm also looking, not that he's a great defender and you wouldn't want to put him in the outfield that often, no. but I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate them trying to go get J.D. Martinez, you know, a guy, <laughs> you know, a guy, a, a guy who puts the ball in play, you know, I mean, he, he would pull, mostly be the DH, but I mean, you throw him out there in left field every once in a while, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how it would work, you know, lineup wise, but. All right. So let's talk about the beginning of the season and how like the next man up thing kind of evolved into what was again. And not just the same, but the way of life for Aaron Boone and the Yankees during the 2019 season. Then we'll get into a little bit about the free agent wire, who the Yankees should probably go after, who's going to be leaving, who they might want to bring back. So first and foremost, let's talk next man up. Obviously, first 
weekend of the year, Stan and Andahar go down, and then it's Sanchez, and then it's Judge, which was the huge one. Uh, they, obviously, Severino and Batances started the year on the DL, as well as Aaron Hicks. So at this point, your lineup was looking like Brett Gardner, Mike Talkman, Clint Frazier, Mike Ford. Luke Voigt was your was your guy. He was your three hitter. He really yep. stepped up when they all went down. I remember he hit like what safely in forty something straight games in April. He got on base, I think, in forty something straight games, which was remarkable. Which sucks the way his season ended because again didn't get one at bat in the postseason for a guy who probably would have started at first base in the All Star game if he didn't go down with that injury in London. Yeah, because there was yeah he absolutely would have. With all these injuries, you look at Judge. Stan Andahar, Sanchez, Severino, Paxton was on the DL for a while there. Sabathia went down. Uh, am I forgetting any anybody big? Hicks, Batances. Batances, yep. yep. Labor Torres was the only guy, I think. Gardner was on the DL for a little bit. Labor Torres, Torres and LeMay, you were the only two that didn't go on the DL. And then at the end of the year, it looked like Labor was going to have his season ended. I think there was like a ball that got underneath him. He was got yeah, underneath his yeah, leg against yeah. the Blue Jays, and you're like, oh, no. Like, he's your, he's your best hitter, arguably, and he's about to go down. But, again, next man up. It was Like, this probably won't ever happen again. This is why this year was so special. You thought this could possibly be the year, first time in a decade, that they win the World Series. Because the, the guys who replaced uh, Miguel Andahars and the Aaron Judges and the Brett Gardners and the Stantons, they were guys you've rarely heard of before. Like, Gio Urshela. Like, his... This is how far Gio Urshela evolved during the year. At the beginning of the year, he was referred to as Giovanni Urshela on the Yes Network nameplates. Towards the end of the year, he was Gio Urshela because, what, he had 27 home runs, hit 330, had more production than you probably would have gotten from Miguel Andahar. Yeah, I guess that's right here. He had 21 home runs, 314 batting average, 355 on base percentage, and 889 OPS from a guy that's never posted uh, more than a 600 OPS in his major league career. Uh, I mean, I think, you'd, if, I think if Van Duhart gave you that, I think you'd sign up for it. Oh, well, would you have, like, you agree with that statement that Gio gave you a lot more than Andahar probably would have? Well, yeah, I mean, overall, absolutely, because he's not, uh, he, he's... The be- he's a better defender, you know, uh, and I think the defense makes a lot of makes a huge difference. I mean, you saw it in the in a few games, uh, you know, uh, especially the you know the game the, the game what's it called game four where they just booted every single ball. You know, I mean, defense does make a difference, and I think that that overall, yeah, Geo made a huge difference. It's going to be an interesting call during spring training because Andahar is obviously going to come back. You could DH Andahar, honestly. You're losing Encarnacion. <laughs> And I again, I don't think there's any big appealing bats on the free agent market you're going to get for a year and $10 million. Like, I don't think Cashman's going to go out of his way to get a guy like J.D. Martinez for like a three- or four-year deal worth $100 million. I don't see that happening. No, that's the problem. So, I mean, I, I'd rather, if he's not going to do that, I'd rather have to spend it on pitching, obviously. But anyways, um, but no, yeah, I mean, look, I don't think that Antuhar's time here is... I think Andrew time here is limited. I think he's going to go in a package for somebody. Uh, you know, I, I read some rumors about Lindor uh, the other day. Yeah, they yeah, were, yeah, They were credible. That was from Joel Sherman of the Post. Uh, not saying that anything obviously was closer, even been talked about, but you know, the opportunity might be there. The Indians are, you know, whatever. So I think Andrew Har's. I think Andrew Har's gone. You know, along with maybe another guy. You know, with red hair. Hey, I like that guy. I like that guy too. Trust me, but I don't know. If, I don't know if he's. Uh, I don't know if he's gonna. He's long for the for the Bronx either. That that's Osho alumni right there, Clint Frazier. We're talking about that. That's one guy. Honestly, never got a shot in the big leagues with the. No, he didn't. And the problem is, is that he he was red hot when he was. You know, he, he was right. He was part of the next man up thing. You know, I mean, he came up and he has. He, he was producing at least. You know, offensively, like we had never seen him before. Great. He was phenomenal. What, he had 10 home runs in May? He had 10 home runs. It, they had 10 home runs. So what, So he finished the year with 10 home runs? Because I remember he had one in September. Uh, let me see. Uh, I, I'm i pretty sure it was either 10 or 11. Let me see what so he's got. He, that was at the end of the uh, May, beginning of June, when they called him back down to AAA. That's when uh, they acquired Encarnacion. Because Clint, I think he took over in left field for Stan, had a phenomenal... Uh, line hit, hit 283 with 10 home runs. I forget how many RBIs during that stretch. And then they acquired Encarnacion right when Judge and Stanton came back. And they sent him down for Encarnacion. He's like, I'm stunned. Like, I, I can't believe this is happening. Like, maybe for Stanton or Judge would have made sense. 
But for Edwin Encarnacion, like, are you kidding me? Yeah, he also uh, he also got hurt too, didn't he? Didn't he like tear something in his ankle when it sliding to second base against the Angels? Yes, he did go on the the IL for a little bit too. Yeah. So he had so he ended up with twelve home runs on the year, but yeah, it was like ten home runs in that one month, and like he was doing stuff that, like I said, we never saw him do before, like. He was taking the ball the other way. He was taking pitches. He was really looked like he was coming into his own offensively. And, and again, the problem is is that they've got multiple DHs on this team right now. With you know, I, like you said, Encarnacion is probably a goner. Um, but even Andujar is a DH, and Frazier is a DH, and Stanton's probably a DH at this point too. I mean, you could st- stick him in left field, but I think that you know, I think Talkman would be a better you know option than him. So the problem is, is you know, that's what it comes back to is I think you have too many DHs on the team, and that's why these guys are going to go. And to, re- to reiterate on the next man up thing, Clint Frazier, again, he goes down to AAA for St- for Encarnacion, then come around London, right before London, Stanton goes back on the on the IL. And this was the time when he went back on the IL until September. So they needed yep. another outfielder for the London trip, and they ended up choosing Mike Talkman over Clint Frazier, which at the time didn't really make sense when you really looked at it. But then Mike Talkman, that's when he went on his tear. Like the first time Mike Talkman was called up, was not the Mike Talkman, like, the guy who was like, okay, like, this guy's all right. He had a few home runs here and there, but he didn't really produce all that much. The second time he got called up was phenomenal. And once he started hitting, you're like, Clint Frazier who? Like, who the hell is that? Yeah, and the, and the thing that that, it, uh, that I'll always go back to with Clint is, in, in any guy like that in general, is the Yankees value defense. You know, they value defense, and that's why they brought Talkman on the trip with them. They literally said that. They're like, well, you know, he's not going to start, but... We'd rather take somebody with us we know is going to be able to catch the ball. So let's look at all the next man up guys. Because even the next man up guys got hurt themselves. Like the next man up guys needed more next man up guys. Like Aaron Boone's entire year could have been a nightmare. And the guy won 103 games, won more games than he did last year. So first first for Miguel Andahar, you had Gio Urshela, which was huge. For for the Stanton and Judges, you had the Mike Talkmans. The Cameron Mabins. Cameron Mabin arguably solidified, defined the next man up. Yeah, the way Mabin played. was a really uh, a really under the radar acquisition by the Yankees, getting him for cash. And he had a he was another guy that just like I guess something with I guess he was something with Marcus Timms, uh, the hitting coach for the Yankees. Uh, they were working on something and they figured something out and they said like he just, it was like a small mechanical change and after that he went off. And then so Urshela, Talkman. Frazier, we mentioned, Mabin. You can honestly put LeMahieu in that bunch because he wasn't on the opening day lineup. Obviously, he ends up being the team MVP for most of the year. And then, you know, even Romine, too. Romine came and stepped up, you know, during, a, you know, a, a bit, too. Romine, arguably the best backup catcher in baseball, in my and he's also a free agent, too, so I hope that they bring him back. Yeah, they, uh, they need you know, him back, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, the problem is, is there are there is such a shortage in, in starting catchers that I think he might be able to get a starting job somewhere else. No, we need we need Romine. Romy, my homie, man. I need okay. Austin Romine. Especially yeah, when Gary Sanchez goes down in the middle of the year because you know he, he's going to. He reminds me a lot of like a, a Brad Ausmus or somebody like that where I could see him having like a 20-year career as, as a backup. Everybody loves him and then becomes a, a manager at some point. Yeah. I mean, his brother Andrew Romine plays in the big leagues too. Nobody gives a shit about Andrew. Yep. Austin yeah, Romine's like the a, best. a utility infielder. God, that's another guy. I'd be ashamed to see him go. I would be too. Like I said, he was another guy, like you said, you know, sticking with the next man up stuff is... He really did a good job, you know, when Sanchez was out because Sanchez was out for an extended period of time, you know, this year. Like three times on the DL, I think. Yeah. And he was on the DL twice the year before. Yeah, and then Romine, you know, did a really good job. And the next man up thing doesn't just uh, go with the offense. It extends over to the pitching as well. Domingo Herman, basically Luis Severino throughout the entire year. Obviously didn't end the way we thought it was going to end at all. Like, if you could have predicted that, you're, uh, you're psychic because Domingo Herman yeah, ends you're up... Fucking, you're fucking no Stradamus if you knew that, that Domingo Herman was going to beat the shit out of his girlfriend literally right before the playoffs. I don't know if he beat the shit out of her or it was just like maybe he slapped her in public. Either way. It's a little different. Oh, very stupid. What, he won 17 games for us? 17 games, yeah. He was, he was. He was basically Severino for a while. I wouldn't say he was, like, insanely dominant. I think his ERA was over four. Like, he definitely got run support. It was a little bit over four. Like, I think it was, like, 402 or something like that. He definitely got a ton of run support, but he held down the fort beautifully as the ace for the Yankees. A guy 
who was so shaky in 2018, you're like, oh, great, inserting this guy back into the rotation. What are you going to get? Wins his first six games. It was unbelievable. Yeah, no, he was, He was like I said, he was a, he was a stopper, you know, this year. He was, at some at points, he was the ace. Um, he won 18 games. I uh, went 18 and four with a bit with a 403 ERA. So yeah, right above four. But um, you know, it'll, it, it sucks to see what happened, obviously. But he was one of the one of the main guys, you know, throughout the season. Another guy you you really didn't know if he would have performed in the postseason. I mean, you've seen it with Severino in years past, where he just flunked, just choked, shit the bed. Domingo Herman could have done the same thing, even yeah. after winning 19 games or 20 games. Whatever would have finished out in September if he played those final weeks and then go- gone into the postseason because it's either you have the experience or you don't. And I feel like guys like Tanaka and the Sabathias will perform better under pressure regardless of how their regular season went as opposed to guys who were dominant in the regular season because the regular season in October are two totally different ballparks. Exactly. I mean, you see it with Tanaka all the time. You know, I've... I said it on this podcast multiple times that I, you know, Tanaka can have a shit year in the regular season. I'm still starting him game one because of exactly what he did this year, what he's done in the past in the postseason. He's been lights out. Were there any relievers that were next man up quality guys? Not really. I mean, everybody was pretty much the guys. Like, I mean, they paid a shit ton of money to out of Adovino and and Britain, obviously, and and Canley came back. I mean, Canley came back. You know, with a you know with a vengeance this year. He was really good because two years ago he was phenomenal. Obviously, in the playoffs, and he was really good again this year too. So. Not to mention Chad Green, who was sent down in Chad, April, and then Chad comes Green, back and yeah. is arguably the most pivotal asset during the entire bullpen in the playoffs for the Yankees. Chad Green was unbelievable. The fact that we got him for Justin Wilson will always will just make me laugh. I mean, that's another Cashman move. I mean, we could list five right now. Glaber for Aroldis, getting him back from the Cubs. Yep, DD for uh, J.R. Or not, uh, not DD, uh, or not, yeah, DD for uh, Shane Green. Yeah. <laughs> J.R. Murphy for Aaron Hicks. That was a steal. Uh, we drafted Judge. Stanton, obviously, we took on his contract and just gave up Sterling Castro. Yeah, and it's funny. I actually was reading uh, a thread on Twitter, basically, from the book Inside the Empire by Bob Clappish. You know, and it's talked about, like, the Stanton deal. And basically, like, I guess Cashman said, like, he wasn't interested and it wasn't involved at all until, like, Jeter came to him and said, listen, like, we need to get this deal done because he won't go anywhere else except for the four teams and you're the only team that can do it. And Cash literally was like, he, like, he knew he had him in the palm of his hands because him and Jeter obviously don't get along really well. So I thought that was kind of a funny little excerpt. And there were a few times last year where you thought that the Yankees might get Cindergaard because the, the Mets were trying to get J.P. Real Muto from Miami. And Miami's so, like, we're not giving you to him unless you give Cindergaard to another team in a three-team trade. And it was looking like it was going to be the Yankees there. Like, Jeter, in two years, was going to give the Yankees Giancarlo Stanton and Noah Syndergaard. Yeah, yeah. And they, they, they actually, that was part of the threat, too. It said that he doesn't think that he can get a deal done because of the relationship he has with the Wilpons. I guess it's, uh, it's not great. For Nobody has people. a good relationship with the Wilpons. I don't I don't, I don't even know the Wilpons, and I, I don't have a good relationship with the Wilpons. The Wilpons suck ass. Everybody knows it. Mets fans know it. We know it. And I say, I thank my lucky stars every day that I was born a Yankee fan because, you know, being in the Connecticut area, there's three teams you could have chosen from. And, you know, it's either been the Red Sox, the Yankees, or the Mets. The possibility that there's that there was a 33% chance it could have been the Mets, oh, it would be a difference. We, be a, my life would be a difference. I mean, the Steinbrenners aren't, like, godsend saviors, but compared to the no. Wilpons, they are. No, we've at least won a championship in my lifetime. I mean, we've won five, but, you know, who's counting? I mean, I still wish George was here, considering he would have gone all out for starting pitching during the deadline, or at least in the in the season beforehand, the offseason beforehand. If they didn't, if they didn't, let's just say that they got somebody at the deadline, and let's hypothetically speaking, that George was still here. They would, you know, he would have been like, "Go get Robbie Ray, whatever." You know, let's say they got Robbie Ray, it didn't work out. You know, it would George would have said to Cashman, "Sign Strasburg and Cole." Oh, 100 percent. That's what I think they should do right now. They should. I don't think that they'll do it because it's gonna, it's too much money for them. But they should try. They have to come away with one of them. Well, let's talk about free agents now. Obviously, the number one guy you're looking at is Garrett Cole, and I think it was confirmed today that the Yankees will indeed at least try to go after him this offseason. Yeah, so it was. It was uh, Andy Martino of S&Y, who yeah. was all over the Manny Machado, Bryce Harper stuff last year, kept telling everybody the Yankees were not interested in, in Bryce Harper. 
and he was the one that he literally he uh, referenced that in his article today too. Uh, he said we said this last year about these, these two guys, blah blah blah. But uh, you know the Yankees are at least you know gonna look at Cole you know seriously. This is not just uh, oh we're gonna take a look at him because we have to. It's they're gonna look at him because there's a legitimate chance that they could sign him. And as it's looking right now, it's he's in good shape for the Yankees because again last year. Red Sox re-signed Nathan Avaldi after having a historic postseason. Looked lights out, but he was overworked. He pitched in, there were five games in that series, I think he pitched in four of them, or three of them at least, two in relief in that game, one start. And then he comes back this year and didn't stay healthy. And when he was on the mound, he wasn't producing. Garrett Cole's been on normal rest this entire year. I don't think he's been on three days rest once this postseason. He he looks in good shape. He's not going to be overthrown. No, I think that he. I think that he's. Uh, I think that he's the number one candidate. The guy that it's kind of interesting to me looking here is uh, as like a buy low kind of guy is Michael Walker. He's only twenty eight. He hasn't had a good year in a couple of years. Obviously, he came up, He burst onto the scene in twenty thirteen with the uh, with the Cardinals. And I've watched a lot of Michael Walker as my as I said my my roommate's a big Cardinals fan so. Uh, I know I've watched Michael Walker a lot. I think that there's a possibility that you might be able to get a little buy low, uh, sell high type of scenario with him. There's a little DJ LeMahieu guy asked for you in the starting rotation. Here's a yeah, big question. Exactly. Here's a here's a huge question. I mean, he's been the Yankees pitching coach for over a decade now. Do you bring back Larry Rothschild? Hell no! I fucking hate him. I, <laughs> I hate Larry Rothschild. I am not like, a Larry Rothschild guy either. They like the like Sonny Gray used to talk about it after he got traded. And they said, like, did he try and help you at all? And he's just like, yeah, not really. That's not what you want to hear. And then Sonny Gray's an all-star in Cincinnati. That makes him look even worse. That's Yeah, I mean, that's because he's just a little bitch and he can't pitch in New York. And he had his pitching coach from college and it was a small market and everything was hunky-dory for him there. He was playing on the team that wasn't going anywhere. I could fucking pitch with my – if I had my college pitching coach – in a freaking middle, middle uh, you know, media market like Cincinnati, where there's literally no pressure, I could, I could pitch uh, up to that standards, I bet. So obviously they're not going to do anything until the World Series ends. You think Larry Rothschild's out? I don't think so. I think that they're for whatever reason because I don't think if they were going to, if they were going to get rid of him, they would have when they, uh, when they, when they signed Boone. Uh, they didn't do that, so. Which I don't know why they got rid of everybody else. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. So I don't. Wow, Strasburg got out of that. Wow. Sorry, Strasburg got out of the a, a, a two on two out jam in the top or the bottom of the sixth. Still two two. Uh, still two two. Yep. But yeah, no, I don't. I think he's coming back. Um, you know, uh, as far as like I said, I'm looking at the free agents uh, that are out here right now. Um, trying to see if there's anybody else really noteworthy. I think this. I think it's the pitchers. I think, like I said, I think you can end up doing, uh, you know, uh, either Cole or Strasburg. One or the other. Don't really care which one it is. I mean, listen, I'd rather have Cole because he's the better pitcher. And he's, you know, knock on wood, more durable. Um, you know, obviously Strasburg's had his injury history. But, you know, one of those guys, Howie Kendrick, maybe Michael Walker. Even Julio Tehran's only 29, too. And he's uh, got a buyout coming to him. So it's a possibility, I guess. I mean, the way it's probably going to pan out, I, I could see them going all out for Garrett Cole. And then, like you said, it's not going to be both Cole and Strasburg. It could be either one or the other, and then you're getting in, like one of those low-tier guys, like under-the-radar guys that you really didn't think about that might perform. Like James Paxton was one of those under-the-radar guys the Yankees got, and everybody was like, oh, here's our next big ace. And although he was great at, during the second half, was very, very iffy, very sketchy in the first half of the season. Had a sketchy start in Game 2, ends up coming back in Game 5, having his Yankee moment. You could almost say he earned his pinstripes in that start. He earned one pinstripe in that start. If they, won, if they moved on to the World Series and he pitched well, I would have given him his pinstripes. He earned one pinstripe, one single pinstripe. Well, that's a lot more than Giancarlo Stanton's earned. In yeah, no, he, hasn't had, he hasn't had a pinstripe yet. Not, he not hasn't had year. that big Yankee moment yet. James Paxton on the mound with Aaron Boone about to yank him in that uh, sixth inning. Like, no, I'm good. Let's go. Let's fucking go. That's a Yankee yep. moment. The stadium erupted when Boone turned around without Paxton. Yeah, no, that was a huge. And, I, and, and I've been, you know, a bit of a critic of Paxton in the past. I mean, listen, the second half, he was phenomenal. So he's, and he pitched well again, like you said. He pitched well in, in game five, which is huge. Uh, you know, so that's a good sign going forward. But I can, I'm gonna, I'm just like I said, I don't know. Michael Walker's like just stands out to me for some reason because I think the Yankees think that they can fix him. They like guys that they can fix, you know? Oh, yeah, 100%. And I, I got to touch on this just because we got to talk about it. It is the eulogy episode. Uh, it was a very, very, very sad moment in game four when CC Sabathia yep. walked off the mound one final time. I thought it was his knee originally just because his knee's been his 
bugaboo his entire career, but he dislocated his shoulder throwing his final pitch was just bizarre to me. Like, like you really can't stay healthy for one final game. I mean, it's good to see that he's going out a warrior. Like, he pitched until he couldn't pitch no more. It was just a very sad moment for everybody involved. Even Carabas, the Red Sox guy, was like, all right, no, no, all jokes aside, this is a, a very sad moment in, uh, in Yankee life. Yeah, no, it was, it was bad. I, I was working that night, so I didn't get a chance to watch it live, but I watched the, the video of CC, the video of Joe Girardi afterwards, yeah. uh, you know, tearing up and telling him that he loved him and that he was, you know, one of the best teammates he's ever, you know, coached and everything. And he was, you know, I mean, everything that you know about CC Sabathia from the outside is that he is, he's, he had his he battled his de- he is his demons and whatnot and uh, uh, looks like Suzuki just went yard. Yep, that's gone. See ya. Curly W. All right. Uh, anyways, uh, so small victories, small, small victories, victories Donnie. Yeah, exactly. I'll take anything I can get. Um, but yeah, no. So honestly, congrats to CC on a phenomenal Hall of Fame career, first ballot Hall of Fame, no doubt about it. You know, a class act all around. Uh, you know, we're gonna miss him. You know, not just his presence on the field, but off the field. And that's the big... So, if you're looking at our free agents, obviously, CC is retiring. Brett Gardner, a free agent. Didi Gregorius is probably that big question mark that the Yankees... Like, it's it's sad, because Didi Gregorius has arguably been the leader of this team for the past five seasons. When Jeter retired in 2014, you're like, nobody's going to replace Derek Jeter, and Didi Gregorius kind of seemed to do it with ease. Not Obviously, not with his stardom, but just... Overall personality, his athleticism at shortstop hit tremendously between 2016 and 2018. Obviously, this was a rough year for him, both, I think, defensively and offensively. But I don't think the Yankees bring him back just because they have Glaber Torres and DJ LeMahieu and Andahar and Gio Urshela. I, don't, I think this is the end of the line for D.D. Gregorius and Pinstripes. So my feeling is this, is that if, is if they have a budget that they want to stick to, which is what they seem like they wanted to do the last couple of years, Every dollar counts, and that goes back to Brett Gardner. It goes back to guys like Didi. You have DJ LeMayu. You have Glaber Torres. You have both of those guys. You have Gio Rochello coming off a phenomenal year. You know, I mean, we don't know what he's going to be coming back next year, but the Yankees have enough infield depth, even if he's not as good as he was um, this year. I uh, could, you know, so I think Didi's a goner too. I mean, and again, Didi was been uh, has been a phenomenal Yankee. Uh, a clutch Yankee, a clutch player, you know, has been one of my favorite players to watch grow up over our, uh, grow up in front of our eyes. But you know, if anything, if if they have a budget and they want to stick to this budget, then every single dollar needs to be invested into this pitching staff. One hundred percent. And again, I'll reiterate it back to the postseason. Like it wasn't the pitching; the pitching was phenomenal. The Yankees scored more runs than the Astros in the ALCS. They but scored the more runs. Too is, is that is is that the the pitching was great, but you need to get length. And you know, right. Severino was coming off of a you know an injury, whatever. You know, you know, I wasn't expecting to get a ton of length out of him. But the problem, but you look at the two teams in the in the World Series right now. Three very good starters who all gave them length. Because the Yankees have a phenomenal bullpen, but the bullpen got worn out, and that was part of the problem too. Is the bullpen ended up getting worn out by the end of the series because guys were pitching three days in a row. Guys were pitching multiple innings that they haven't done all year because they haven't needed to. Tommy Canley pitched three three days in a row, and look what happened. You know, so they need to get somebody like Garrett Cole who's going to be able to go out there and give them length in the playoffs, so that way they don't have to use that bullpen depth every single game. And I 100% agree with that, but there was really no moment in the championship series. Like, I do think the bullpen was taxed after game two, honestly. Like, after that, I'm like, all right, this is going to be an uphill battle. But nobody really blew up. I mean, you could say game four, Chad Green gives up the three-run home run, great. But that was basically it. The bullpen did a great job, whether they were burned out or not. You could argue Adam Adovino, obviously, the the he was just a... What a mental midget this postseason, like arguably the worst postseason performance by any reliever ever. So we'll see right. if he can bounce back next October. Hopefully he can. But other than that, the, the I think the uh, bullpen was great, and I 100% agree with you. If they're rested, they could be even better, but they never really blew up during the postseason whatsoever. No, no, they didn't. It's just, it's just you know, they're lucky that they didn't. And the reason they didn't is because the guys in the bullpen are, are very good and but you know, it always just it's it's always gonna you know rear in the in the back of your mind. You know, 
gee, well, my starters are going four and five innings, and, you know, is it going to end up, you know, biting me in the ass? And, you know, it did. You know, it did. It did. You know, obviously, like you said, they didn't, the bullpen didn't blow up, but I think that because that they had to be perfect, the problem was is when they gave up runs, it, it kind of just, it, it, it seems worse than it is. And, and that was when the Astros capitalized. Like, they were built for the postseason where the Yankees' offense wasn't. Houston right. Houston scored 16 runs in that ALCS. The Yankees scored 17. Houston yep. hit 176 as a team overall batting average. The Yankees hit 199. The Yankees led them in most offensive categories during that series, and you come away with two wins to their four. Houston just got the big hits in the right situations, where the Yankees did not. Exactly. Then... So, and that's why I think a guy like a Howie Kendrick or something like that could be an interesting guy to bring in, or even a Neil Walker, just professional hitters. And I think that there should be a, just an organizational shift on how they, you know, how they, they approach at-bats. I know you want to, you know, they want to be savages in the box. They want to walk, you know, and be able to take really good pitches, and that's fine. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, is you got to put the ball in play if you want to score runs. You know, a walk... If you get a couple of walks and then do nothing about it afterwards, you know, nobody's the wiser. So back to the pitching, though. Obviously, if you, if you can score Garrett Cole, that's a, that's a coup at the top of your rotation. There's your race right now for the next five years at least, you'd think. I mean, how old is Garrett Cole? Uh, he's uh, 29, I think, let me say. So you think he'd commend like a five-year deal or so worth over $200 million? So let's see, Cole is... Uh, let's see. Cole's 29. He's probably going to want eight years. I guarantee you he's going to want eight. I don't think he's going to get eight years. I don't know, man. But then again, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper did a great job holding out for their deals last year. But again, Boris is his agent too, so don't forget that. And on the backside of it though, like you saw how Harper performed this year. Machado didn't perform horribly, but like not worth their contracts. So like the, team, the teams are gonna hold is, out. Though, between the, the three those three guys is is Cole is legitimately right now the best pitcher in the game. Harper and Machado were not the best player at their position um, when they were free agents. Right. So I think that the reason why they got so much money is because they were so young. And people saw that as you know, these guys are 26, we can sign them to 10-year deals, and it's not going to completely cripple us. Okay, that's fair. Cole is the best pitcher in the game, whereas Trout's probably the best at the position where Harper plays. And then you could say, who, who's the best infielder in the game? That isn't Manny Machado. The best infielder in the game is not Machado. I mean, Altuve's obviously up there, especially Bregman. Uh, you know, and uh, I'm thinking, uh, oh, Lindor, you know, Francisco yeah. Lindor is just as good as any of those guys. And that's actually a guy, um, like I said, I brought that up, you know, a little while ago. Um, I think that that's a, that, that might happen. I, I honestly do. I think, and that's a guy that, that puts the ball in play. He's a switch hitter, which helps the, uh, the, the, the dynamic of the lineup. And I bet I'll, I'll give you an offer right now. Let's see if this is good enough or not. I'm going to give you Garcia. I'm going to give you Debbie Garcia. I'm going to give you Andujar. I'm going to give you Frazier. And I'm going to give you one other guy. Um, it's already an gonna, overload. It's tough because, yeah. it's, you know, you're giving them you're giving them two major league ready hitters and a pretty much a major league ready pitcher. But in the, in the sense that it, it, but this is what the way that's got to go down is that they have to get a starter. Of a, a caliber of a Cole or a, uh, of, or a Strasburg for it to make sense for me to do that because Garcia is basically knocking on the door, so he would be you know probably in the rotation next year in like May, if not. I mean, this time last year Kluber was on the market. Why not throw in Kluber and Lindor for those guys? Yeah, I mean, if they can do, if they'll do it, I mean, and they'll pretty much give away anybody that they have to pay. So you know they're already paying Kluber, but. Anything to get his money off the books because the owner's a cheap prick. I mean, if you have Garrett Cole and Corey Kluber as your one-two, then you got Tanaka, Paxton, and Severino. That's huge. a pretty damn look, looking rotation, you know? That's, that's huge. You're going to have one of those five guys that's not going to be in your playoff rotation. You know, I, if I had my druthers, it would probably end up being Severino because I think Severino out of the pen and the playoffs would be electric. Oh, well, he'd be the uh, Phil Hughes back in 2009. Yep. Phil Hughes... Yep. Obviously came up as a starter, wasn't bad, but then he came back from injury in 2009 in the bullpen, was an awesome setup man for Mariano Rivera. Yeah, no, exactly. I think that, that would be the move if that's what they end up doing. I, like I said, I mean, I just, Sherman's not the type of guy that's going to throw shit out there like that unless no, it's no. 
So for him to throw that out there, there, that means that there's either been, you know, chatter about it. There's been discussions, you know, Lindor is only going to be, uh, 26. He's coming off of four straight all-star appearances last year he had uh let's see he had 32 home runs hit 284 uh he had uh only struck out 98 times which is huge uh 170 hits i mean that's i mean listen he's a, he's a, one of the best players in the game um so it's not like i'm saying anything groundbreaking here but you know he's the type of player that i think that the yankees could use and yeah, it's, it's intriguing as hell to get francisco lindor adam into an infield with glaber torres and dj lemayhew but like do they really need him like they're gonna get rid of Didi, and then you're gonna take on francisco lindor's contract i know he's only under contract for about two years here but like is that like does that really make sense like i feel like that has to be the absolute right offer from the Indians in order to make that move happen. Yeah, I mean it's got to be. I mean it's got to be the right move for sure. But again, you know the reason, the things we were talking about with the really, the really the reason why they didn't win, they didn't win is because they didn't come up with timely hits and they didn't come up with because you know maybe the organizational you know approach is you know hey, just swing as hard as you can and, and you know if it's in the if it's in the general area of the batter's box swing as hard as you can you know and a guy like Lindor is you know has like a, an approach like a DJ LeMahieu you know I mean you need basically you need more guys like DJ LeMahieu in uh, in the lineup and I think a guy like Lindor is a good fit so let's say best case scenario this offseason Yankees trade for Lindor you get him for the next two years they sign Garrett Cole at the top of that rotation and let's say that's all they do so then you have you have Cole, Severino, Tanaka, Paxton, and then your five would be by committee. Herman comes back. Maybe Montgomery, probably. Mon- yeah, Monty. Forgot about Monty. And then your lineup. Imagine this lineup. You have Lemayhew, probably at second or third, maybe even first. Let's, let's see how this works out. So you'd have Lemayhew, Judge, Lindor, Stanton, Sanchez, Hicks, Voigt. Glaber, Glaber probably wouldn't hit that low in the order, but like I just forgot about him for one second. Glaber <laughs> and um, Gardner, if you bring him back, it's, if I'm getting Lindor, it's, I mean, if I'm getting Cole, I should say I'm not bringing Gardner back because I don't think that they can. It, it, they got to be able to make a couple moves here. I think that they're going to have to because the problem is, is I think that they should bring back uh, Patances, who we didn't even talk about as a free agent. I think they should bring him back, um, you know, on a two-year deal, you know. Low money, obviously, you're not going to have to pay him a ton. Right. But, you know, I think you can use another, especially because Chapman can opt out, too. We didn't even talk about that. Chapman can opt out. He's probably going to opt out. He had a great year. I mean, you know, the home run notwithstanding, I mean, he had a really, really good year. So I can see him trying to look at it as, I want to get one more one more big payday before I, you know, my arm falls off, basically. So, you know, I'm looking at his, his numbers this year to see what he did. And he had uh, he struck he had a two two one ERA and he had thirty seven saves you know struck out a ton of guys obviously 85, 85 guys so I think he's he's gonna look at that and he's gonna say hey you know what I got a shot to get one more big payday and that's what I'm gonna do that's gonna that's that's gonna be an interesting call because obviously our bullpen's stacked as it is would you let yeah. him go if he's asking for too much and just throw in a guy like. And Ottavino or Zach Britton into the closer role? Yeah, I'd let him go. i let him go, and then I would just plug Britton in. Um, and, and Britton's closed before. I think Britton is fully healthy back from that Achilles injury now. So, um, you know, I think that you do that, and then you bring in a low-level, uh, you know, reliever, maybe another guy that you think you can fix or whatever. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the uh, free agent guys right here now. Uh, maybe an Addison Reed. Uh, maybe even Joe Smith. You know, Joe Smith's had a pretty good year for the uh, Astros. Uh, Adam Warren's got a buyout. You would never hate having Adam Warren come oh, back. Dude, old reliable good. right there. The Jason exactly. Witten of the Yankees bullpen. They don't need a. They don't need. Oh, Bregman just bobbled it, and I think it's four to two now. Yep, Bregman bobbles it four to two. Oh, uh, bases loaded with two outs. Um, Who would have thought the Nationals would have walked into Houston and beat Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander? It's looking like it right now. It's crazy. Could you imagine yeah, if the Yankees were able to pull off Game Six and then Cole threw in Game Seven the way he threw in Game One last night? Just think yeah. about that one for one second. Yeah, it's crazy, man. That's the thing because we can talk until we're blue in the face 
about, you know, oh, we need to do this to get the, to, you know, move forward in the playoffs and this to move forward in the playoffs. And it's like, really, it comes down to just being a team that's completely locked in and a team that's not, I thought that the Astros aren't locked in, but, you know, the, the, the Nationals are just the better team right now. Obviously, it's a, you know, a long way till, oh, they, they need three more wins before they hoist that trophy. But it's, you know, they're, they're looking very good at, the, at right now. Which is, like, I couldn't have predicted this a month ago. Nope. I had the Brewers beating them in the wild card game. It's funny because, you know, if not for, you know, a couple calls here and there, they could have lost that game, too. I mean, if it wasn't for Trent Grisham, they may have not even been in this situation, bobbling Juan Soto's base hit to right field that allowed three runs to score. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, it's going to be a very interesting offseason, to say the least, because a lot of guys... Might leave, a lot of guys might stay. Obviously, Garrett Cole is the number one big fish out on the market. Francisco Lindor's in trade rumors right now for the Yankees. It's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. Let's leave this episode with uh, little awards to give out. So, the first award, obviously, who do you think, since we did touch on Next Man Up, who do you think was the Next Man Up uh, award winner this year out of all those guys? So, I think I got to go with Mr. Next Man Up. My guy, Mike Talkman, the sock man, uh, you know, really at, completely out of nowhere. Cameron yeah. Maven had a good, you know, has had a decent major league career. Good runner Talkman's yeah. played six games in the majors before this year. So I think that, I think I got to give it to Mike Talkman. To me, just because, again, prior to joining the Yankees, he played with the Indians, he played with the Blue Jays, did nothing in his big league career. Comes over, takes over for Andahar. Gio Urshela, what, 21 home runs, hit 314, 321, whatever it was. Base, he was he finished second in the All-Star voting at third base behind Alex Bregman, which is yeah. remarkable. I, I give it to Gio Urshela. It's close. The Cameron Mabins, the Mike Talkmans, the Mike Fords even of the world. Mike Ford was phenomenal uh, yeah. offensively in the second half. Had a had a historic Babe Ruth type season in Triple A Scranton Wilkesbury hit over forty home runs. So there were a lot of great candidates. I'm going Geo. You're going Talkman. Who would you say is the Cy Young Award winner this year for the Yankees? I mean, I guess I gotta give it to I I I know actually I yeah, I'll give it to, I'll give it to Paxton. Uh, I think Paxton Paxton pitched well enough in the second half that he's earned it. Uh, you know, you could give it to Domingo Herman, but you know, I mean, I, I don't think that Herman was as dominant as Paxton was, and Paxton stepped up when we needed him to, and Herman didn't. Yeah, I got Paxton too, just just because of the way he pitched in the second half, obviously goes 10-0 and in his final 13 starts or whatever it was, and then has the huge moment in Game 5 to save the Yankee season. And like I said earlier, Domingo Herman may have won 18 games, but he got a ton of run support because his ERA was well over 4. Like, yep. well over four. So I don't think Domingo Herman was as dominant as his numbers showed. James Paxton turned into the big maple in the second half because it was looking like he was the Sonny Gray-esque type guy in the first half. He wasn't going to make it in New York. It honestly looked that way. And then comes yep. back in the second half. I mean, he got his fair share of run support as well, but he, he, he buckled down and put his head down and really pitched well in the second half. Uh, who would you say... I don't know if I want to go. I think we both know who the MVP was, but who would you yeah. say is like our our Silver Slugger Award winner of the year? Like our best overall hitter. I feel like you can go two ways with this answer. So you can, um, and I think just because we both know who the MVP is, I think Silver Slugger. I got to go with Glaber. Uh, you know, hitting almost forty home runs this year. Is still hitting for a very good average, being one of the better hitters in the lineup. I go with Labor. Yeah, I mean, you could arguably go with DJ for both awards. I mean, DJ was just the overall around defensively and offensively best player on this team and did it with no emotion, not a cocky guy, completely humble. And Glaber Torres, obviously, hit, what, 20 home runs, 24 maybe in 2018. 24, yeah. And then comes back in 2019, hits 38 this year after having only... 15 career minor league home runs or something like that. Something yeah. crazy. And he comes back this year, A-Rod type numbers. Like A-Rod back in 98 with the Mariners. Like yeah. this is what Glaber Torres was. And Aaron Judge said it himself, Glaber Torres is the next superstar of the New York Yankees. And he's only yeah. 22 years old. You're just going to see this for the next 15 years at least for the Yankees as long as they can lock, uh, lock him up. Exactly, man. That was one of the best trades ever for, you know. Yeah. 
for Chapman, and then you get him right back. And exactly. we've said it multiple times. Theo Epstein would have done it all over again for a World Series championship. Absolutely, yeah. You do it for the ring, but at the same time, I mean, you lost out on an MVP player. And I mean, again, you do it for the ring. And shout-out to the Cubs. They just signed uh, David Ross. Yep. Uh, Grandpa Rossi has their new manager, which is funny to me. Like, that's like the perfect fit. Uh, yeah, I think so, too. I think that's a, fairly, a really good fit for those guys. Because that 2016 World Championship, like, obviously Joe Madden led the charge, but David Ross was the veteran. He was the leader on that team in his final season. Everybody looked oh, up to David man, Ross. The Astros are unraveling, man. Which is great to see. At the same time, a little depressing because... They played poorly all postseason. They played poorly against the Rays. They played poorly against the Yankees. Somehow managed yeah. their way into the World Series, and now they're just falling apart. Because now, because now they're going back to Washington in Game Three with a rattled Granky on the road, and then yeah, probably the probably Cole on short rest in Game Four. But yeah, you don't know where you're going to go with the bullpen game because I mean it's going to be Sanchez for the uh, the Nationals, and he. You know, almost no hit the Cardinals in the LCS. So. Yeah, but are you going to go bullpen if you're down 2-1 to one or 3-0? I don't think so. I think you go Cole no, on short rest. Ha- I don't think you can. Yeah, you got to go. Why, why isn't Wade Miley on the roster? I, I, don't, I don't know. That's Yeah, I mean, they have a lot more lefties, so I'm surprised they didn't put him on the roster. But All right, so last award here, uh, obviously. MVP award. I think we could say it was DJ LeMayhew. I think that's safe to say. DJ LeMayhew was the cornerstone for the Yankees in 2019. A guy... They signed to a two-year, $24 million deal. A guy that a lot of people were like, why would they make this signing? Machado's still out there. Like Manny Machado to the Yankees was almost certain, according to Dan Clark and everybody else oh, yeah. over at Dan Clark Sports back in January. Doesn't happen. We had DJ LeMahieu instead. Doesn't even start. Troy Tulowitzki's our starting shortstop. He goes down, and then this guy, DJ LeMahieu, who you knew had great numbers coming in with the Rockies, but the, the elevation in Colorado, you don't really know what you're going to get in New York. I think it's been proven that Nolan Arenado's numbers have increased mightily with uh, the climate change in Denver, Colorado. So you didn't know what you were getting with DJ. He did win the NL batting title a couple years ago, and then this year looked like he was going to win the AL batting title. I mean, he hit well over three thirty for most of the year, kind of veered off towards the end to let Tim Anderson win it at the very end for the White Sox. But DJ LeMahieu all around never slumped. He, he hit well over three thirty all year, hit, finished with like a tw- uh, 327 line uh, hit for over 100 runs batted in. Obviously, everybody's going to remember the home run in Game 6 to tie the game. It was just phenomenal to watch DJ LeMahieu hit and perform this year at the level that he did in, in, a, in a city that just commends that type of performance. And a guy who literally, he shows no, he's like the Bill Belichick of the Yankees. Like, he shows no emotion out there on the field, and it was just tremendous to watch him. But, like, who would you go with Obviously, DJ LeMahieu's the MVP, but who would you go with if it wasn't DJ LeMahieu? If it wasn't DJ LeMahieu, I mean, I think you got to go with Glaber. He's the, probably the second best player on the you know on the team this year. Um, so I think you, I think yeah, I think you go Glaber, and uh, I think you go Glaber, and it's not even that, it's not even close. Because after the, after DJ and Glaber, the two guys that didn't get hurt all season long, which is phenomenal. I mean, Luke Voigt was looking like he could have had that. Uh, spot within the first two months of the year. I think he had 17 home runs in the first two and a half months before going down, and then injuries ridiculed everything. His timing was off for the rest of the year. Didn't even finish with over uh, 20 home runs. I think he had 19 after having 17 after the month of May, which was kind of depressing to see, considering both Stanton and Judge were out for a long period of time there. But yeah, if if you're not going DJ, you're going Glaber Torres. No question about it. 38 home runs, hitting over 280. Tremendous postseason numbers for a guy who's 22 years old. You're seeing it with Juan Soto in the first two games of the World Series. He's 20 years old, and it looks like he's going to be the World Series MVP already. Yeah, it's it's a young man's game now, and uh, you know it's it's showing. So the 2019 New York Yankees was not the way we wanted it to end, but maybe it's the way we needed it to end. To finally wake up Brian Cashman and his pockets to go get a starting pitcher, whether it's Garrett Cole. Steven Strasburg, Michael Walker. We, we need pitching depth. And then, of course, Francisco Lindor. Rumor, Joel Sherman does not lie. He does not he, – he's not Dan Clark. I'll just say he's that. definitely not Dan Joel Clark. Joel Sherman no. is not Dan Clark. So that will wrap up our uh, eulogy episodes, unless you have any last words you want to see, see here at the uh, Tombstone, Donnie, before we uh, go. Just open up the pockets. 
Open up the pockets, Brian Cashman. Brian O'Cash. The O Show is presented by Belly Up Sports. Be bold, stand out. We're sponsored by TickPick. Go get your tickets with no hidden fees right now and now by Mecca Nutrition. Go get your protein shakes for $20 off using the promo code OSHOW20 Mecca Nutrition. Build a better you. Hit it, Hootie. find yourself constantly working on your physique only to find no real results? Or are you officially fed up with your lack of progress in weight loss and weight gain programs? Then do I have a solution for you. Mecha Nutrition, build a better you. Choose from a variety of products including protein, carbohydrates, creatine, pre-workouts, vitamins, and more. Why choose Mecha Nutrition? Mecca Nutrition is a family-owned and operated sports nutrition store located in the heart of Bakersfield, California. Mecca's goal is to provide you, the customer, with the best customer service, nationally recognized products that you know are tried and true, and most of all, they have the best prices around. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to contact Mecca Nutrition via social media on Facebook and Instagram at Mecca Nutrition. You can email them or you can call the shop as well at 661-695-9061. Again, that's 661-695-9061. I've been using Mecca Nutrition products for over a year and a half now. And for someone with an extremely high metabolism, I can tell you that these products work. I gained nearly 25 pounds of muscle after using Mecca's select products in the protein and carb aisle with products such as Redcon 1 meal replacement protein and carbs, as well as Neil's hookups. So feel free to call the shop or email Mecca's general manager at Neil or Neil at MeccaNutritionStore.com. Rumor has it, if you mention Mecca Nutrition, you may come away with an added discount as well, but you didn't hear it from me. So go check it out if you want to transform your body and get into the best shape possible right now. Mecca Nutrition, build a better you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.